Hey y'all, it's your girl Mish and welcome to a new year of the episode Love Mish Podcast where I share my thoughts, opinions, and ramblings and sometimes I'll have guests but no subject is off limits. It's a billion people in the world and I'm just one of them. So welcome to my world and let the conversation continue. Hey loves, it has been so long. I think it's been over a month. Um since I have put down a podcast so sorry for my absence but a lot has been going on and today I wanted to take the time out to dedicate this podcast to mental health there is so much going on in the world today and you only have one life you only have one heart you only have one mind if you, you know, break your heart, you could die. If you lose your mind, you're just out of it as well. So you got, definitely got to take care of those two most important parts of your body. Of course, that is connected to your body and everything else that allows you to function in your daily life. So mental health, let's talk about it. I, I grew up in a family where we never heard about therapy and going to go see somebody. You know, you just kind of went to church, prayed to God you know waited for your answer and just kind of live life and just kind of live through it but this is the year 2020 um well my youngest sister was the first one to reach out to therapy and she's always been an advocate for mental health um I kind of felt bad now that I'm going through it because all of the things that she went through I did not understand um like she would have a baby and I'm like okay snap out of it you know back to this money back to work you know ugh. um I have come to understand after you have a child, there is a period of depression that you go through and it's real. Um, Not one mother that I've talked to has not gone through it. I know a lot of mothers. And so, A, that's scary and freaky and why isn't anybody talking about that? Um, But B, now that I've gone through my own situation, I can relate. Um, So you never really can relate to a situation unless you're in it. I will stress that. Um, I've lost three angel babies. Unless you've gone through that, you can give me your condolences and your sympathies, but you do not understand. You know, I've lost an aunt. I've lost an uncle. You know, so many family members this year, it's crazy. I've lost my first love. Like, nobody can tell me that they relate unless you've been in that situation. So, um, let's start back. Uh, uh, so let me just back up before I go too far. So my sister's already been to therapy. She's the number one advocate for mental health. Uh, my older sister, she's gone to mental health as well. My sister-in-law, you know, being a mom, she's had her spill. Her and my brother have gone as well. My parents have gone. Like, this is the year everyone's gone. I'm like, oh. You know, I finally reached a point where, okay, that this is how they're feeling. This is, this is the spot that you're in where you're like, hey, like, somebody needs to fucking help me. I get it now. Um... So 2020, we're all dealing with coronavirus. Crazy. Um, our jobs went from not letting us work from home to letting us work home. Great. I was stressed and freaked the fuck out until they finally let us work from home. I did not understand why we had laptops at our desk but could not safely work from home. That stressed me the fuck out. It made me so angry and it made me feel like my job did not care about my life my well-being and that's a horrible feeling to have um okay so that was a b um you know now they're telling us 
we can't go to certain places, certain stores are closing. You know, you used to going out on the weekend with your girls, getting drinks. Like, these places is closed. You used to booking vacations. We're in fucking August. Who has been on a vacation? I'll wait. Now, a couple of y'all have. And y'all some brave. <laughs> but I haven't even been back to Planet Fitness. Not to say um, that I'm scared. Because I do know that you can. the best thing you could do is a, a, a boost your immune system to fight corona. But one thing, you know... I'm a big advocate of controlling things that I can't control. But when I can't control things, I spiral out of control. I guess I'm such a control freak, I haven't realized it. It makes me angry that I could not control a situation that I can control for myself. But when it comes to other people, other situations, and I can't control it or I don't get the same outcome, it makes me angry, it freaks me out, and I just lose it. So, Corona, I'm telling everybody, you know, get your collodial silver, you know, get your oranges, your vitamin C, you know, eat your green leafy vegetables and uh, your green smoothies. Like, I'm telling everybody I love the same thing, right? Because although I can't tell you where to go, at least if you're medicating yourself, medicating yourself, you're giving your body a fighting chance. Because I feel like if we all go into the grocery store, <gasps> breathing in the store, touching the money, touching the this, like it's it's everywhere, right? So I don't think you can hide from it, but you could definitely boost your body up for it. So, you know, people have just been saying they got it, they got it, they got it. Not really death cases. And then deaths start to happen. And it's like, oh my God, social media, this person died, that person died. So many fucking deaths. And that's scary. But when it finally hits home, I can't even explain. It's so unreal. It's like, please tell me somebody's lying. Like, please wake up from this nightmare. Like, like no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. This fucking belief. Uh... So I stay in Florida and we have to deal with KKK and um, the Confederate flags and, you know, we're kind of used to it. It's not okay, but we're just so fucking used to growing up with this shit since kids. It's almost the norm for us. Like they'll literally have KKK parades. Uh, You'll always see the Confederate flags on the back of these big, loud trucks, Um, you know, country music, whatever, you know. Never had no face-to-face altercation, but I don't go around saying, I hate white people and, you know, back Black Panther flags and stuff like that. Like, I just don't think we're disrespectful. Like, we can work with you. You could be our manager. You know, we can say hey in a grocery store. Like, I just think my culture, we're not evil. Like, we might can't stand you, but we could be cordial. When you part of the KKK, you give two fucks. You got your flag, you got your music, you say what you want to say, you do what you want to do. It's like, I can't stand you. You know, it's just rude. It's rude and disrespectful. And at the end of the day, I didn't do anything to any white KKK person, period. I didn't ask to be black. I didn't ask to be fucking born. My parents made that choice for me. So at the end of the day, I, my mind can't even wrap around. How do you hate something that another person can't even control? Did I say God sent me here black? No, the fuck I didn't. I could have been on another fucking planet for all I care. But anyway, that's another subject because a lot of people say we chose to come here. So if I chose to come here, I don't fucking forgot. But let me really back in on our highway. And um, this only made the news because somebody recorded it and put it on social media. So now the news have to go um, report 
because social media beat your ass to it. And I feel like if if they wouldn't have posted on social media, it wouldn't have been on the news. This is why I don't trust the news. They pick and choose what they want to show. So there was a dummy hanging off of the bridge. Like, fuck Black Lives Matter, you know, KKK, whatever. Like, lit- like really? Like, like, this is 2020 and this shit is still going on? Like, my grandma said they couldn't go in certain stores growing up. Okay, this is not too many generations behind that we have come out of this, that we're still dealing with this fucking racist shit. But my parents said they would walk to school and get eggs thrown at them. So here I am, the third generation, and this shit is still going on. Now, I grew up in a white neighborhood with white people. Best friends with white people. I will say, once I got to middle school and high school, I found my tribe of black people. I'm like, oh, there's more of us. And I gravitated more to the black people. But if had I kept going to different white schools, it was nothing wrong with them. They were nice. We did our schoolwork. Like, like racism is taught. So I'll just end it there. But that affected me mentally and emotionally. And it's like, wow, like, nobody went to jail. It's just like, let me just report this news story. Okay, so then, boom, one day, it's like 2 in the morning. Um, for some reason, I just couldn't sleep. I was up four in the morning all the time, four in the morning, got to turn around and go to work at nine. So I'm not getting any sleep. So something's bothering me, right? Um, I get a call like three in the morning. I didn't answer it. Like, why are you calling me? We don't even talk like that. It's disrespectful. I have to go to work. Like what? Like, I'll just get back with you tomorrow. Right. During, you know, more and more hours. Then I get a text message. You know, my ex-partner was in the hospital at that time for two weeks. And he just wanted me to know. Now, I was furious because no family members had reached out to me. And I felt like I was the last one to know. And, you know, anyways, when you're sad or something, or to me, I'm just speaking for myself. Anger is my strongest emotion. I get shit done when I'm angry. Um, It seems like... Magical things happen when I'm angry. I'm going to just leave it at that because that could be a whole nother podcast. Um, And even when you manifest, they tell you to see it. They tell you to have like a strong emotion around you, to write it down. It's like different things that they tell you to do. Well, anger, I'm going to feel that shit. So I know that's my strong. My grandma said my mom was angry the whole nine months she was pregnant with me. (laughs) My mama was an angry person. She had my angry little ass in her and it made her angry. So, um, I know that's my, that is my strong emotion, but anyways, um, and it takes a lot to get me there. So if I'm angry, you fucking messed up, not me. What the fuck did you do? Um, so I'm I'm like, what? Like in a hospital, like what? And at that time I didn't know what it was. So I'm just like, you know, I'm just praying. I'm really big on faith. You know, he's going to pull through. Everything's going to be okay. And that's what fucks me up every time. If I pray, I'm assuming that everything is going to be okay. Like, or you can't tell me without a shadow of a doubt that everything ain't going to be okay. When that doesn't happen, I'm I'm mad at everybody. I'm mad spiritually, emotionally, physically. Like, fuck everybody. Because the faith that I grew up in is like, oh, Jesus raised the dead. Oh, Jesus said you could move mountains. Faith of a mustard seed. You'll do greater things than me. And so when shit like this happened, it's like, okay, motherfucking greater powers than Jesus activate. And when it don't, it's like, what? 
but you have to remember there's always a bigger picture and whatever i'm still trying to, to figure that shit out but okay so i have a dream and my dreams always come true uh, that i'm following the person that told me we're all dressed up in black of course this is a wake or a funeral but you know you're in the now until you see it right till you see the casket till you see the flowers you're just like in shock or disbelief so we're parking a car we're following people it's like a school or whatever that we're in we're walking down different hallways i'm getting angry because we're we're um losing the crowd and now we're lost and we're just desperately trying to find a room we finally get to the room i see his name first and last name on the door and when i open it it reminds me of like in elementary our cafeteria would have tables and there would be like a stage and a big curtain and it that's how it reminded me of and but then his picture and his casket was on like the cafeteria stage or whatever and I woke up and I was like no 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 hell no I told my sister um because I knew I was like if something happens just remember to tell me that I already had a dream about this and I was already trying to prepare myself she said okay um so I just go on about my life you know I'm praying I'm talking to the sister I'm talking to the dad you know the family members like everything's gonna be okay I'm sending affirmations I'm sending um you know angels of healing and stuff like that Uh, I'm getting his measurements every day. He's on a ventilator. The numbers are great. I'm showing my mom. She's saying these are great numbers. In the 80s, is great. Once it gets to the 20s, you have to worry. So I'm like, great. You know, maybe he's just tired. Maybe his body just needs some rest. Or he could be talking to his mom. You know, never thinking ever, even with the dream, that things are going to go south. Just because I'm praying and I have faith and stuff. I have uh, tarot cards, spiritual cards. Um, I really believe in them. I pulled the tower, and the tower means death. And my heart dropped the moment I flipped that card over because you there's over like 64 cards, and you shuffle them. You don't know what you're going to flip over. And some people ask questions. I don't. I just knock on it three times, and you know, universe, what is my message for today? And I pull that over, and I'm like, What? Now, I pulled that car a time before, and it was my uncle. So, I'm not okay. I didn't even explain that situation. I feel like his wife murdered him, and everybody else is okay with this shit, but I'm not. There's no way a healthy, fit person can just die unhealth-wise. Like, I follow a lot of holistic doctors, and when they come up missing, talking about diabetes, I'm like, bullshit. These people are healthy. I don't believe in coroners. The government freaks me out. I just kind of feel like if you have money and power, anything can go. And I always tell my family member, like, if somebody ever say, oh, she ate meat, or just something out of the ordinary, like, call bullshit. Like, something foul is going on. Like, you have to know me at the end of the day. Because they're not going to be honest. Um, so I'm like, oh my God, why not pull this card? And I got so angry and I asked my spiritual advisor if she could send him a message. And, um, she did. I told her to tell him, you know, his sister really misses him. He has a son, like it's too early. It's not time yet. 
And she said, you know, um, I, you know, I told him, uh, but he was kind of undecided. I think she's being gentle with me. Um, she was like, no matter what happens, just know it was his choice. Whatever ends up happening, it was his choice, right? Um, and I'm like, choice my ass, you know, like, come back. Because I don't know how you guys are with your exes, but he would still check on me. Like, it's just, for me, we were better friends. I didn't have to worry about stuff. He didn't have to worry about stuff. We was just, just cool. We'll always love each other. No matter who he with, no matter I'm with, the love is there. It just I don't know how else to explain it. It just it just is what it is. I think some people can relate, but I don't know. Um, my aunt, I'll take that back. My aunt who's been divorced, she definitely understood me. I don't think nobody else does. Um, and I was asking people, like, um... Do you have, uh, if something happened to your, uh, to your ex, would you be sad? And a lot of people were saying no. So, um, I'm like, okay, well maybe I'm the only one that kind of feels like this. But, um, uh, I'm trying to put this back on because I don't know why. I will plug my iPad up and it'll just turn off. It'll just turn off. It's plugged up right now. It's plugged up right now. But anyways, I'm going to go ahead and finish. Um, he was still calling me. He was still check up on me. He was still telling me I love you. Um, uh, and I and I had to. Looking back, I probably should have just left it. But I would say, you know, don't say that. You know, you're married. You can't be doing your wife like that, this, that, the other. But at the end of the day, you can love people. Um, I think as long as you don't act on those emotions and show that other person respect, it's okay. Like, I knew in my heart that I loved him. I just didn't go as far to be like, hey, you know, I love you just as much as him. But when he would say it, I would repeat it back, you know, because, I mean, it is what it is. Um, and he would say, you know, I'm gonna come down and visit you. I'm a, um, I can't wait to introduce you to my son. Um, next time I get him, I remember me and my friend, my friend had invited me to Philly with her fiance for that family reunion. He was like, oh, you should have told me you was here. I could have just got on the train and met you. Like, you know, whatever. And I knew if I needed anything, I could always call him and he would be there. Like, I don't know if you guys understand to not to be in a relationship with somebody and for them to have your back. That's understandable to not be in a relationship with somebody and to not owe them anything. But but to still drop the ball at any moment and make sure they're okay. Like that is like, I don't know, like that's like a, a great love. So, um. You know, you're not getting anything out of it. Y'all not having sex. It's that the other is just you care for that person. You always care for that person. So, um, I remember I was on the Xbox. My uh, nieces and nephews were here. And on the Xbox, he was like, hey. And I was like, respond, hey. And I regret. I should have said, hey, call me. You know, I actually started a conversation. But since they were on the Xbox, I just left it from that. And that was on June 3rd. I kid you not, on June 29th. I had got the phone call, um, no, June 30th, not tonight, it was a Tuesday, June 30th, um, that morning, and I was on the phone, I was at work on the phone that he passed, 
when I tell you I lost it on that phone call and that customer, she literally was there for me. Like, I'm boohoo crying. I'm trying to, to give her the answer so I can hurry up, get off the phone. She's like, it's okay. I understand. She said, I'm not just going to tell you I understand. She said, babe, I lost my mama to corona. To corona, y'all. So I found out that it was corona. He was helping somebody move. When I tell you this guy always was helping somebody you mean tell me you helped someone fucking moved and caught corona and couldn't shake that shit and died what the fuck like when i tell y'all i'm so tired of 2020 like i'm 2020 can kiss my motherfucking ass like i am over this shit you know what i told my therapist put me to sleep and we'll try this again next year you know if you tell them people you suicidal anything like that they'll lock your ass up they'll call dcf if you got kids i remember growing up um, my cousin had to stay in the hospital uh, for three days. And, um, you know, we all go through, through through different stuff. But I just remember, like, me and my rebellious behind, I never want somebody to have control of me like that. You mean tell me I'm going to be locked here and I can't leave. And, you know, I, I, the doctors have control. Like, I don't want nobody to have control over me like that. So, um, let me try another one since that one didn't work. Let's see. I'm so mad with this damn iPad. Three, two, one. Okay, let's try this one. Um, where was I? Oh, um, in the hospital, it turned off again. You know what? Fuck it. Um, so. Um, I was, well, when I went through bankruptcy, I didn't know what to do. That's why I hired an attorney. Like, do this shit for me. I don't know. Handle it. I wish there was, like, an attorney that can handle FLA. Because when I tell you this has been the most stressful thing in my life, I turn in, I go, you know, I see my therapist. She tell me, okay, we're going to give you six weeks off. I turn in my paperwork. I'm being told things are wrong and this, that, the other between the different parties and at this point i'm like why aren't y'all communicating with each other hell i don't know like so i'm reaching out to my union i'm reaching out to my manager i'm reaching out to the company that we use for fmla i'm reaching out to my therapist like this is all fucking confusing me i'm just getting upset like i like you guys don't even understand i'm already in stress and turmoil don't add any more on to it um so um, when I'm supposed to be off, I'm going to work for two more extra weeks. And then um, then finally I'm told, it, you know, well, I wouldn't be working. Well, that's, you know, that's not what I was told. I was told I can't just turn the paperwork and be done. It has to be approved. And my therapist is like, that is not true. But if you have asthma or this, that, the other, no, you turn your paperwork and you're off. So eventually I just didn't go. You know, I had my paperwork turned in. I didn't go. I'm just going to my therapist twice a week. I went to the doctor. He gave me um, three prescriptions. He wants me to meet him again in 30 days. Y'all, when I look at these prescriptions, he asked me on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, how do you feel? I said 11. When I tell you, and he asked, too, are you suicidal? But I was just like, instead of saying suicidal, I'm like, you could put me to sleep until next year. Like, I'm so over this year. I don't care whoever birthday left. I don't care whatever. Shit, my birthday ain't even passed. Whatever accomplishments for this year. I don't fucking care. Just knock me the fuck out and then wake me up next year that's literally how i feel like 
I don't know how to control my emotions. I'm crying all the time. I'm angry. I'm lashing out at different things. Other things are going on. It's just like I can't. Like this Mother's Day was hard for me. And then my uncle died. You know, different things are going on medically. My parents are getting older. Other people's parents are dying. We're looking at them like, oh my God. You know, do we, everybody got their will and stuff together, this, that, the other. And then, boom, my first love dies on top of that. Like, are you kidding me? Like, seriously? And I didn't know how to explain it, but the way my therapist said is, you, uh, when your parents die, that's one thing. When your kids die, that's one thing. Family, friends, those are different levels. And I'm not going to take away from how it feels for them to die. But when... um. But when a soulmate dies, that's a soul tie. So a part of your soul is missing. I feel that hole. There is a hole there. Like, I know. Like, even if nobody told me he died, even if I didn't see the funeral because his cousin was able to FaceTime me, there is a hole in my heart. Like, a, a part of me is gone. Like, you can tell when a soul leaves earth is the best way I can put it. When your soul tie and that soul leaves, you can feel that emptiness. My therapist was like, it's going to be replaced, you know, don't worry. Um, you know, one thing about earth is it has to stay balanced. So if something's missing, it's going to be replaced. You just have to be open to it. I'm like, okay. Um, and she's like, it's okay to be angry. It's okay to cry. You know, I, I literally just stay in bed. Like I had literally said, you know, um, hold on. So I wanted to share um, some resources with you guys because if you don't take care of yourself, nobody else in this world is obligated to. Um, a prime example would be my job. I just remember somebody on our team died and we had a 15-minute minute just to say that he was gone and to like cry and ask questions and back on the phone. To me, that was disrespectful as fuck. If I was the manager, I would have said, everybody's going to go home. Um, you know, this is a number to a grief counselor. This is what you're going to put on your timesheet. Um, you know, if you want to send flowers and stuff, we'll get those together. Just send them to the family. Um, if you need more than a day, just get with me and we'll make sure we put that in because I am an empath. I'm very emotional. Um, and if I'm not in my best state, there's no way anything that I touch will be done the way that it should be done. So you mean tell me. You just told me that this man died and to get back on the phones and to act like I care about any of these calls coming in. I don't. And we all know that customers are the number one reason that any business exists. So you always want to treat them um, like kings and queens because they basically are. So that type of situation is I wouldn't want any of my employees to be there. Whether you knew them or not, like who death affects everybody whether you know the person or not it's just something that it does to your body to your energy to your psyche to your emotions and maybe it's because we all know it's coming for us and it just gets closer and closer to home and for me it was like a teammate and then my family started dying and you know now my other uncle's sick and you know what I mean it's just getting closer and closer and it's like that it could be you at any moment so it starts to like bother you um so i wanted to share some resources um there's a lot of links on here please check them out one of them is a questionnaire that my therapist went over with me she was like over the last two weeks how often have you been bothered by any of the following problems number one little interest or pleasure in doing things 
feeling down, depressed, or hopeless. Trouble falling or staying asleep or sleeping too much. <coughs> Sorry. Feeling tired or having little energy. Poor appetite or overeating. Feeling bad about yourself or that you are a failure or that you have let yourself or your family down. Trouble concentrating on things such as reading the newspaper or watching television. Moving or speaking so slowly that other people can't um, could have noticed or the opposite being so fidgety and restless that you have been moving around a lot more than usual. Um, thoughts that you would be better off dead or hurting yourself in some way. If you checked off any problem on this questionnaire, how difficult have these problems made it for you to do your work, take care of things at home, or get along with other people? My answer to those questions were nearly every damn day and extremely difficult. Um, this test was developed by Dr. Roberts and L. Spitzer. Um, so yeah, um, that's what um, my therapist, Ebony, I have her information, um, went over with me. And when I went to see... Um, the doctor, Spooner, in Pontevedra, he had a more extensive list. Like, are your parents divorced? Um, what age did that happen? Did it affect you? And I literally started tearing up at those questions. Like, oh, my God. Like, you'll be surprised. You go in for one thing and then all these other things, either they're connected or they trigger. And it's just like, it's, it's kind of like, it, let's say your parents were divorced. You just kind of live through it. Nobody sits down with you and says, you know, how does this affect you? Or let's um, think of better ways that we can help you. It's just kind of like you just live through it. You don't revisit it. So when somebody sits you down and like revisit your childhood and your whole life, like somebody actually cares. That's exactly what it is. Somebody cares about your well-being. It takes you back. Like, damn, nobody else gave a fuck. Even the people, like, if my parents did get divorced, like, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't sit down and do that. You know, you just kind of live through it. So, for a, a complete stranger to kind of know what to look out, and you know they go to school for this stuff, but to kind of care about you and to give you the tools that you need to move better, it kind of just make, make you feel like, well, dang, like, we literally be carrying all these bags around in life, and nobody is putting a hand on, on our you know, shoulder and saying, put these bags down. And so, which is okay. And you finally have to do that for yourself. Like, I cannot carry another motherfucking bag. Like, I can't. I can't. No. Like, you literally have to get to that point for yourself. So, when you do reach out for help, like, they know you need help because it takes a lot to get to that point. And I think if people don't get to that point, those are the ones that end up committing suicide like they needed help there was no one there to help and they just solved the problem on their own the best way they thought would be is to end it but there's other ways so please if you know anybody that is dealing with depression it is so motherfucking real and help is out there and they're not alone when i posted those pills y'all on my social media it was like um each prescription said will increase suicidal thoughts now i did not tell these people but yes i've been suicidal in the past do i want to take medicine that will make me suicidal hell no but everybody under my post was like um you know, be careful when you take them. Don't take them. It made things worse. And I'm just saying the people that do take them are strong. Like, 
Um, if it say, you know, just in your life, how many people listen? How many people are not strong enough to say, let me stop taking these pills? Like, I literally want to see a list of all the people that have committed suicide next to their names, the prescriptions that they were on. Because I feel like the government should pay every family member that took prescriptions that said will increase suicide, and they actually did. I think that all those funeral calls and all of that should be on the government. That's honestly just how I feel. And I was going to take three, you know, or I have to prescribe three pills. So that means suicidal thoughts times three. So my sister, she was like, um, she's an advocate for holistic medicine. She was telling me um, different things that I could take. I wanted to share because I just dealt with so much this year. It was, it was like enough. It was like enough. Um, so, mentally exhausted. I can't even. Mental health milestones. The first time you asked for help, the first time you gave yourself, you forgave yourself, the first time you practiced self care, the first time you set a boundary. First time speaking to a counselor or therapist. First time trying a medicine. First time you told someone about your mental illness. First time someone validated your mental illness. Eight tips for healing emotional wounds. Take it slow. Don't try to change everything at once. Remember that healing isn't all or nothing. Modest changes can significantly improve the overall quality of your life. Be patient and persistent. Set realistic expectations, view setbacks as part of the process and, a lear- and as learning opportunities, prioritize self-care and self-compassion, 
be willing to process your feelings about the past and ask for help. Grief, I've learned, is really just love. I'm sorry. It's all the love that you want to give, but you cannot. All that unspent love gathers up in the corner of your eyes, that lump in your throat, and in that hollow part of your chest. Grief is just love with no place to go. Grief is like living two lives. One is where you pretend everything's okay and all right. And the other is where your heart silently screams out in pain. And I get that. I freaking get that. I kind of wish like I was a celebrity. You know how they just pack up their bags and they be gone for two, three months. You know what I mean? Like, why can't everybody get that? I don't have no five fucking thousand dollars to give somebody for that. But you do need like. You, we do just need help with life. Sometimes it's just too much. Too much for your mind. Too much for your emotions. Too much for your heart. It's just too much. And we just have to keep going through every day like it's okay. So please use these resources. Yeah, I want to be gone for four months on a beautiful island somewhere with therapy and different meeting sessions and stuff like that. I can't do that. The best I can do is do this FMLA talk to this therapy and you know just try to get myself together and with the time that they give me which is you know you just got to take what you're giving and that's fine um child loss is not an event it is an indescribable journey of survival um those who think that there is a time limit with when grieving they have never lost a piece of their heart and i agree with that Grief is love unfinished. Grief is is a conflicting feeling caused by the end of a change in a familiar pattern or behavior. And that is so true. Those things that you're used to, they're never going to happen again. I'm never going to get, hey, how you doing? Happy birthday, this, that, other. You know, I'm going to come see you, this, that, other. I'm going to buy you that Mustang. You know, like... The norm, especially if you have so many years of that and you're so used to that and it's never going to happen again, something disrupting your pattern, I think that definitely is what hurts. Oh my God. Um, and not having fucking control over it. I know that's what it is for me. Because I have so much faith and all this stuff. And no, I mean, you know, stuff's still going to happen and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, the five stages of grieving. Um, I put the link on here. The stages of mourning are universal and are experienced by people from all walks of life. Mourning occurs in response to any kind of loss. The end of a marriage, the end of a relationship, an individual's own terminal illness the death of a valued being human or animal there are five stages of normal grief they were first proposed by elizabeth kubler ross in 1969 in her book one death and die on death and dying how long does it take? In our bereavement, we spend different lengths of time working through each step and express each stage more or less intensely. The five stages do not necessarily occur in order. 
We often move between stages before achieving a more peaceful acceptance of death or loss. Many of us are not afforded the luxury of time required to achieve this final stage of grief. The death of your loved one might inspire you to evaluate your own feelings of mortality. Throughout each stage, a common thread of hope emerges. As long as there is life, there is hope. As long as there is hope, there is life. What's the order of the stages? Many people do not experience the stages in the order listed below, which is okay. The key to understanding the stages is not to feel like you must go through every one of them in precise order, but instead it's more helpful to look at them as guides in the grieving process. It helps you understand and put in context where you are. There's five. What are the stages? One, denial and isolation. Two, anger. Three, bargaining. Four, depression. Five, acceptance. Number one, denial and isolation. The first reaction to learning of a terminal illness of death of a cherished loved one is to deny the, the reality of the situation. It is a normal reaction to, real to rationalize overwhelming emotions. It is a defense mechanism that buffers the immediate shock. We block out the words and hide from the facts. This is a temporary response that carries us through the first wave of pain. That's another thing, pain. The pain makes you cry. Anger, it's my strongest emotion, anger. As the masking effects of denial and isolation begin to wear, reality and its pain reemerge. We are not ready. I wasn't. And if my spiritual advisor said he was ready to go, well, damn it, I wasn't. I wasn't ready for him to go. And I don't know if that's selfish, but uh, okay, I feel like if I had a chance to stay on earth or go, and if I looked at all my loved ones and someone wasn't okay, I would stay. I would stay and say, you know, God, let we'll try this again, but this person isn't ready and I don't want them to hurt. You know what I mean? Like, but that's just me. So that's my choice. But I always assume other people will make the same choice I make. And when it's out of my control, I just, I don't know. I, number one, I don't even understand it. Why people don't think like me. So I'm already stuck right there. Um, Let's see. Because I remember how it was for him when his mom passed. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone. And now, all that time, I did not know how he felt. I did not understand. Like, you just don't know until you're in that person's shoes. Like, there's nothing you could say. There's nothing you could do to ever feel that place for someone that's grieving. All you can do is just listen to them and be there. And I didn't get it for, like, him and my sister. I was just like, snap out of it. Like, come on. Like, we all know people die. And it's not that. Your mind completely gets it. It's not your mind at all. We all know you live and you die. Shit, you could be driving to work and die but it's it's your body um you know you get angry you get so emotional you're in your head all the time it's the pain and it's your heart and and i don't think you can control them as much as you want to um and that's why people get medicine you know what i mean just to, to make you feel numb or whatever it says as the masking effects of denial and isolation begin to wear reality and its pre and its pain reemerge we are not ready the intense emotion is deflected from our vulnerable core it's redirected and expressed instead as anger the anger may be aimed 
at intimate objects, complete strangers, friends, or family, and I isolate myself. That I will snap on anybody, and I, I realize that's not fair. The best thing for me to do is to be alone. Um, anger may be directed at our dying or deceased loved one, yeah. Rationally, we know the person is not to be blamed. Emotionally, however, we may resent the person for causing us pain or leaving us. <sighs> We feel guilty for being angry and then it makes us more angry. The doctor who diagnosed the illness and was unable to cure the disease, absolutely, might become a convenient target in a relationship, the lover, the job, etc. Um, do not hesitate to ask your doctor to give you extra time to explain just once more the details of your loved one's illness. Ask for clear answers to your questions regarding medical diagnosis and treatments. If the loss is a relationship, analyze it until you understand the factors causing the breakup. Understand the options available to you and take your time. So when COVID first started, everybody was being put on ventilators. Do not have your people put on ventilators. It's very hard to come off of them once you are on them. Um, since then, like I know other people. I can count. I don't even, I'm losing fingers of how many people have gotten COVID now and they're just fine. It's like a cold or they can't eat. I'm not going to say th that they had it easy, but basically they were okay, y'all. So to have one person die, it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like something's wrong. I already be iffy with the government. I already be iffy with the doctors. You know, melanin is, you know, it's worth more than silver and gold. Our organs are on the black market, you know. For hundreds and thousands of dollars, you know, I get you guys already done a podcast on that. So if an ep epidemic like this happens and I'm an evil doctor, oh, you know, don't rush to save them. If they don't come off, we ain't gonna, you know, give them extra meds to help them come off. We just gonna let them fade right on away and get that money for them organs. Let's be honest. Everybody is not in the medical industry to save lives. There's a lot of money to be made. And they are capitalizing on it. Not only that, I've heard for every patient that they diagnose as COVID, the hospitals are getting money. $1,500, I believe. So if your hospital is struggling and y'all got debts and you know y'all rely off of uh, a lot of hospitals are nonprofits, you most definitely crooked. I took business. I went to, I was a major, I majored in business, you guys. I uh, went to a Christian school and they stressed how it was good to get Christians in there because the business world is so crooked and evil. Um, and to just remember your Christian morals and to hang on to your Christian morals is so sad that our school knew that and had to freaking prepare us for the world we're entering in business-wise. Not the real world. I'm talking about corporate. But, um, and I look at YouTube and all these documentaries like, please. I've been on, on this journey for four years. Nothing phases me. For people that are just hearing it, it's probably a lot to take in. But I'll just put it to you this way. We use 10% of the web. The other 90% is the dark web. Now you imagine what all is on the dark web and for that to be 90%. Okay, let me get to number three, bargaining. The normal reaction of feeling of helplessness and vulnerability is often a need to regain control. I just told y'all this. If only we had sought medical attention sooner. If only we had got a set an opinion from a doctor. If only we had tried to be a better person towards them. Secretly, we may make a deal with God or a higher power in an attempt to postpone the inevitable. This is a weaker line of defense to protect us from the painful reality. I already did that. I pray. I burned my incense. I went to my spiritual advisor. None of that shit worked. 
depression. Two types of depression are associated with mourning. The first one is a reaction to practical implications relating to the loss, sadness, and regret. Predominant, this type of depression, we worry about the cost of the burial. We worry that in our grief, we have spent less time with others that depend on us. This phase may be eased by simple clarification and reassurance. We may need a bit of helpful cooperation and a few kind words. The second type of depression is most subtle in the sense, perhaps more private. It is our quiet preparation to separate and to bid our loved one or relationship. Um, farewell. Sometimes all we really need is a hug. Yeah. Acceptance. Reaching this stage of mourning is a gift not afforded to everyone. Death may be sudden and unexpected or we may never see beyond our anger or denial. It is not necessarily a mark of bravery to resist the inevitable and to deny ourselves the opportunity to make our peace. This phase is marked by withdrawal and calm. This is not a period of happiness. And must be distinguished from depression. Withdrawal. Loved ones that are terminally ill or aging appear to go through a final period of withdrawal. This is by no means a suggestion that they are aware of their own impeding death of such. Only that physical decline may be sufficient to produce a similar response. Their behavior implies um, that it is natural to reach a stage at which social interaction is limited. The dignity and grace shown by our dying loved one may well be their last gift to us. Coping with loss is ultimately a deeply personal and singular experience. Nobody can help you go through it more easily or understand all the emotions that you're going through. But others can be there for you and help comfort you through the process. The best thing you can do is allow yourself to feel the grief as it comes over you. Resisting it only will prolong the natural process of healing. And that's what my therapist was telling me. that I can't hold it in. I have to feel it. Even if I don't want to. Um, you're supposed to feel emotions. They have a right to exist. And I just keep thinking about that show inside out with all the emotions and the one that's crying all the time and they want to lock her away i gotta be wanting to lock that part of me away too like who wants to be sad and crying all the time um but just like that show you know it serves its place you know um if we didn't get sad and we were happy all the time and people are dying and that wouldn't be human either so i mean i get it but these jobs need to understand that they're not robots or humans somebody um that and
um this other biz fluent i put i had googled like fmla because i at my job we have a union and we go through the union you have like a union handbook but i still didn't really understand it like you guys i've been working since 16 i've never used fmla i haven't had any kids i don't know how any of this works this is my first time so your first time anything you're gonna have questions you're gonna be confused second third fourth time you're good to go but that first time i hate first in life like i hate not knowing like, I hate being on this side of it. I always like to know. I always like to be on the pro side of things. So, um, bizfluent.com, FMLA right um, to confidentiality and privacy. Enacted in 1993, the, Fa- the Family Medical Leave Act protects the job of certain employees who have taken who have to take unpaid leave to care for a newborn or adopt a child or for a serious ill family member. Um, FMLA also protects the jobs of employees who themselves are seriously ill or injured and must take a leave of absence to recover. The medical nature of most FMLA requests triggers privacy and confidentiality issues that employees need to keep in mind. Some medical information cannot be kept completely confidential in order for FMLA FMLA leave to be approved. For instance, the employer must review a doctor's recommendation based on serious health conditions. The Department of Labor uh, recommends using a standard form for physician recommendations for FMLA. The form allows the physician to provide details of the condition, including the le- the length of leave required. The form is available online from the Department of Labor's website. Um, access to medical information. Access to medical records is governed by the Health Information and Accountability Act. The act stringly uh, regulates who has access to medical information from which the individual's identity can be determined. HIPAA is balanced in order to provide information to healthcare workers to permit to prevent them to do their jobs and in other circumstances such as FMLA requests. However, the act requires that access to medical records be severely limited. As an employer subject to FMLA, you must limit access to these medical records only to designated employees who absolutely must have access for bona fide business reasons. Um, let's see here. The Family and Medical Leave Act provides 12 weeks of unpaid leave to employees who qualify conditions who have worked a minimum of 1,250 hours in the past year. Employees who are suffering from a serious illness or caring for a close family member with a serious health condition may qualify for FMLA. Giving birth to a child or adoption of a child is also a qualifying condition. More recently, military service members have been granted up to 26 weeks of leave for qualifying conditions that can include being called to active duty, preparation for active duty, and injuries resulting from active duty. The military provisions also extend to family members caring for military members with these conditions. And um, let's see here. Let's talk about the employees. Although the courts have held in favor of employers in some cases of forced FMLA leave, the FMLA is a slippery slope legally. Employers who have concerns about employees and FMLA leave should keep careful detailed documentation of all communication regarding the leave. It is also in the best interest of the employee to seek the advice of an attorney who specializes in labor law. FMLA compliance guidelines are available at the Department of Labor. FMLA and Medical Leave Act allows an employee to take 12 unpaid weeks off 
from work during a 12-month period due to a serious medical condition or family issues. The law protects the employee's job security while on leave. Employees who can show that a medical condition, including stress, prevents them from accomplishing their task can request leave. The FMLA allows employees the opportunity to take the leave time all at once or intermittently through 12 months to undergo continuing treatment. Employees who work for government agencies or private firms that have at least 50 employees can qualify for FMLA stressed leave. The employee must have worked for the employer for at least 1,250 hours in the last 12 months. Upon request, he must provide certification from a medical professional that cite the need for continued treatment for stress-related health problems. The employee also must show that the health issue left him incapable of work for at least three consecutive calendar days and that the leave request is designated to treat the condition. I mean, it's so much other stuff. I'm not even halfway down the page. Um, but I would just say speak with your home, you know, if you're comfortable with your manager, human resources, um, the Department of Labor's, a family member, a friend that's gone through it. I mean, there's so many resources out here. Um, and I'm actually looking to like a lawyer if I need to. Um, so far, so good. But I know each company is different. Each each different. So I'm going to see if I can see seek some legal aid if I need to as well. Um, but that was all today. Um, I probably will be posting this one later, like after I'm off of leave. I don't want this to, you know, come back on me or I don't know. I'll just post it maybe in September. I've been moving to my new place and everything like that. And I should be back to work. So I just wanted to record it while everything was fresh. Hey, talk to you guys later. Bye. Thanks a million for listening. You can reach me on all my other social media platforms by visiting my link tree, which is luv.mbesh. I hope you have a better than great day. Love you. Talk to you later. Bye.